I'm going to go back all the way back to my Bible college days, way back when we were preparing and training for ministry. I remember being in a class that, that taught you how to do weddings. They went through all, this is how you perform a wedding. This is what you want to do in, in the ceremony. This is what you want to say. And then, then they started teaching us about, about how to do water baptisms. And I remember that because I was taking notes. Because, you know, when you're young and you're just starting off, you don't want to mess this thing up, right? There's a lot at stake, and you don't want to be the one who fumbles it. And so they're going over, here's how you do water baptism. You want to make sure that the person comes up and they have a chance to greet the congregation. That's what was going on at the time. We don't do that in every church and all churches on Sundays, different ways of going. But you see, you want to be able to share your personal testimony and, and you want to have the person seated. That was back in the day when I'd get up in the tank. Anybody ever seen that? You know, where the preacher's in the tank with them, just a big old tank. Some churches would have it there just at the, at the center of the, of the stage area there. So when you get in the tank, you let the person face the congregation. They share their testimony. After they share their testimony, you have them be seated right there. And then what you want to do, you want to have them to, to, to hold their nose. Then they take their other hand and they put it right there. So they're teaching this in Bible college. I'm taking notes and I'm listening because I don't want to mess this up. They said they hold their nose and then they take their hand. And that provides a handle for the minister to hold on to the handle. And then the other hand is behind their head. And after you say to all of the congregation, I now, I say to the person in front of all, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then you'll take them down in the water. They said, but make sure that if there's a hanging microphone while you're standing in the water, don't touch the microphone. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get electrocuted and it'd be, just interrupt the service. I'd be dead. I don't want to do that. So I'm taking notes and it came time for my very first baptism. I got in there and think I was so nervous. My heart was beating so fast. The student came. I was a youth pastor. The young person from the youth group came and got in the tank. And uh, I got my, my merds all wixed up, you know, as I was talking there. And, and it wasn't coming out right. And, and I was just trying the best I can just to keep just plowing through it. And, and I said, hey, I'm going to baptize you. And she got in place. I said, but before I do, stand back up. I'm going to pray. And so I tried to squeeze the prayer in. I forgot a prayer and have her seated. I needed to hold her nose and give me the handle. And so I had the handle. I had my hand behind her head. And I said, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I started taking her down. And I realized something. I'd forgotten to take my watch off. Professor never told me, take my watch off. If he had, I'd have had it in my notes. I'd have nailed it. I'd, I'd have been on that, but I didn't have it in my notes. And I looked down and I saw that I still had my watch on. I was like, oh no, I still have my watch on. So I was looking at my watch and I kind of, I was going to be smooth with it. You know, I just kind of did one of these numbers right here. I was looking at my watch and I just kind of took her down at an angle, just a little rotation. And I took her down. My watch got really close to the water, but it didn't go in. I was like, nailed it, pulled her back up. Only to realize I'd baptized her left ear and just part of her hair is all that she got. But I was too far, too in. I just let her go. I said, praise the Lord. I don't know if she's really saved today, church. I don't know. She might be partly going to heaven. I don't know. I don't know if she struggled from that moment on. I don't know. But my watch made it. It survived it. Today, I want to talk to you about a passage of Scripture where the Holy Spirit showed up. At Jesus' baptism, 
If you have your copy of God's Word, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 3. Or if you're going to open up your Bible app, or if you don't have either handy, you can follow along with the scripture on our Sky Bibles that we have here on the screens at all of our campus or watching online. Matthew chapter 3, if you're ready for this, say, preacher, preacher. All right, here we go, verse 13. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Now, before I keep reading down through this text, I understand that for some of us today, you might be a little bit newer to Scripture, and, and you probably recognize the name Jesus, but then there's this other guy in there by the name of John, and, and you're not super familiar with him. He's also in Scripture referred, referred to as John the Baptist, and he was a prophet, but he wasn't just your run-of-the-mill ordinary prophet. He was kind of, if anybody knows anything about John the Baptist, he was a little bit of a gangster prophet. Do you know what I'm saying when I say that? Like, he, he was like formerly uh, out in the wilderness. Like, he just, he just spent a lot of time in the wilderness. Said he wore uh, his clothing. It was made out of camel's hair that he ate locusts and wild honey. And whenever you would listen to him preach, he just sounded ticked off. You ever heard a ticked off preacher? That was John the Baptist. If you heard him preaching, he, it would sound a little bit like this. Repent! Bunch of sinners? Now, that's not a literal quote, but when you read it, that's what he was saying. All y'all are sinners and need to stop sinning and be baptized. You bunch of good-for-nothings. That was just the way John the Baptist would preach, which is why it makes sense that when he's saying that, all y'all are sinners and need to repent and come and get baptized. And then it says Jesus walked up to be baptized. Now you understand why John started fumbling there in the moment. He's like, you bunch of sinners, come get baptized. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You are the Messiah. Like he just knew immediately, wait just a minute. And so he says, uh, I, I don't think I need to be baptizing you. I think you need to be baptizing me. It would be like LeBron walking up on you and saying, hey, could, could you just talk to me a little bit about how to do a free throw? You'd be like, hold up, man. This thing is backwards. LeBron James does not need me to teach him about. It'd be like Einstein coming up to you and asking for help with his math homework. You'd be like, no, this is not how it works. Jesus walked up. He's ready to be baptized. And John's like, time out. No, I mean, you're supposed to be baptizing me. I don't need to be baptizing you. But look at what Jesus said, Jesus said in verse 15. He said, it should be done. Why? For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. Interestingly, these are the first words that we see in Scripture recording Jesus speaking since he was 12 years old, and you remember the story of what happened when he was 12 and his, his parents left him? You remember that? Come on, you know you've done some bad stuff, some mistakes as parents, but listen, you never left the Messiah, so just be encouraged, all right? But his, his parents left the place, 
And, and they were like, anybody seen Jesus? No, oh, we left him and had to go back and find him. And when they went back and found him, uh, Jesus said, I don't know why y'all looking for me. Didn't you know I'll be about my father's business? Do you remember that story? And so these are the first words that we hear from him since then. And now he's approximately 30 years old. He is launching, he's beginning his public ministry. So it's been quiet a long time. Now he's speaking. And as we catch up with him, this is the launching of his public ministry and he starts it with being baptized. Verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is God the Father speaking, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So here in this passage, we see what's referred to as the Trinity. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we're in a series learning about the person of the Holy Spirit. And today, what I would like to do is I want us to see from this passage the connection between the anointing of the Holy Spirit and Jesus's baptism. As I uh, step into this and try and really break that down for you, I, I do think that it's important for all of us to have a clear understanding of what water baptism actually is, because I get it. There may be some of you, you came in today and you're, why, why do they have all those bathtubs over there, all those swimming pools? And why, why are they putting the people under like that? And like, what's going on? For some of us, water baptism may be a newer concept, but we're not super familiar with it. What is it all about? Why is it significant? Really, I just want you to know that there's nothing super like spooky or mysterious about it. It's not even real uh, theologically complex. It's just a picture. So it's a symbol, right? And we have that in our world. We, we understand if there's a battle going on and, and somebody waves a white flag, we're not like, why are they waving a white flag? We would all know that that's a, a symbol or a picture of surrender, like I give up. And so we would see that and understand what that means. Or in our uh, emoji world, right? Emojis, somebody will send an emoji or a picture and it's meant to represent a feeling or, or making a statement. So it is with water baptism. It's just a picture. It's meant to communicate something. Water baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. It's important to understand that water baptism does not save anyone. All right, so it's important for us to keep and understand. It's a picture, it's symbolic, it's communicating something, but someone is not saved because of being baptized. Uh, it's like when I got married and, 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 and I put on my ring. When you put on a wedding ring, putting that on does not make you married. When you get married, you put on this symbol to represent that you are married. 
It's the same with water baptism. It's a physical picture of a spiritual reality. A person goes down in the water. You say, well, what is the picture of? What is it representing? And it is indicating that they are dead to themselves. They're dead to their old life, dead to their their sin, dead to living for themselves. So they're saying, I identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's the picture of water baptism. I'm going down and the old me is gone. And then they come up with a fresh start, new life, the new life in Jesus Christ. I'm communicating. I've got a fresh start. I'm a new person. I'm not living for me anymore. I'm now living for Jesus Christ. Is that anybody's story today? Come on, anybody at any of our campuses, you say, that's the statement that I made. I no longer live for me. I'm living for him. People who have been baptized will tell you just how meaningful it is to them. Uh, Some people will describe it as when I came up out of the water, it's like, oh, these weights just fell off of me, or I just felt different. I just felt clean on the inside, or I just felt like it was my chance to, to have a new life. And it's because it's such a wonderful mile marker, such a, a, a significant moment in the life of Christians. Now, what's surprising to me is that there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, even a lot of people who attend church, who've never actually been baptized. It's a real interesting thing. And when you would wonder why and think, what would cause someone to say, well, I want to follow God. I want to be a Christian, but I'm I'm not going to do the next step. or I'm not going to do what the Bible teaches, following salvation. What would keep people from doing that? And I've come up with a few reasons today, reasons people don't get baptized. The first one that I would say would be this. Number one, they just simply don't see the importance of it. Like, I don't think that they're trying to be rebellious, you know, or anything per se. I don't think that they're trying to be defiant. I think for some people, they just didn't even realize, like, this is in Scripture. This is not a church-made-up tradition. Uh, This is not just some uh, religious ritual or just something that little check a little box off. This is something that is significant. And it's clearly stated out in Scripture. But some people aren't baptized. They haven't been baptized because they just didn't know how important it was. Here's a second reason I think that a lot of people don't get baptized. Is that they allow pride to keep them from taking that next step and being baptized in water. Why haven't they been baptized? Comes down to the word pride. Isn't it crazy the things that, will, that pride will cause us to do or keep us from doing. Now, I know for some of you, when we start talking about pride, you, the, the best way for you to receive it is for you to know, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person seated right next to you. Go ahead, look at them. That's who I'm talking about. Get a good look at them. Just tell them right now, say, you need this. He's preaching to you right now. He's preaching to you. Now, while I'm talking to them, you can listen along, okay? Just kind of hear this for just a moment. There are some people who they've never been baptized, and the only reason they have not, it comes down to pride. 
Like if you could get down to the root issue of it, is that a, a, a long time ago, they committed their life to Christ. They've been going to church for a long time. Maybe it wasn't uh, uh, communicated early on how important it was or, or maybe just whatever circumstance or, or certain events, it, it didn't happen right away. So then time passes. So now they've been walking with the Lord a year, been walking with the Lord five years, been walking with the Lord for 10 years. Maybe they're even leading a small group group. Maybe they're serving on the dream team and they still feel it's time for water baptism. And every time it comes up, there's a little something inside and it goes, ah, I should do that. Ah, I've never done that, but it's silenced. And, and, and that, that, that's just prompting it in your heart. Like it's ignored and dismissed. Why? Because we're thinking, well, I can't do it now. Everybody in the church, they just think I'm so on fire for God. Do you know how strange that would look if I got baptized today? Only thing keeping them from stepping in and obeying God would just be this concern, this, this, this worry about what others would think about them. It's pride. For some people, like this is real. For some people, the pride issue comes down to, well, I don't want to get baptized because I don't want everybody seeing, we, seeing me with my hair wet. Like, you think I'm joking. There are people who would, not you. But the person next to you just may need to hear this, right? The only reason they have not been baptized it's because they're just, their wife's like, I don't know my hair. I just got my hair done. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure I should do that. The only thing, and it's so self-focused. The only reason they haven't followed God is because of the pride. And then here's another reason I think that some people who are in church today but haven't been baptized is number three, because stated simply, they aren't true followers of Jesus, now, I'm not saying that they don't attend church from time to time or maybe even go consistently, but, but just shooting it straight, there are some people who have not been baptized because there is no prompting or longing in their hearts to take the next step because they have yet to take the first step. They're, they're close to the things of God. They're around the church. They're around, but there's nothing in them that has a desire to honor the Lord or to follow his commands or to obey his commands because they have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's no desire to be baptized because they're not following God. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. But it's natural if I don't love God, if I'm not serving God, then there's no desire to follow the plan or the commands of God. There's no statement that even needs to be made. Listen, church, it should always sound an alarm in your heart if we think we can just be around the things of God or quote unquote, serve God in our own way, taking our own path, following our own plan, but thinking that that's going to land in a good destination or a good outcome. When we come to say, God, I will follow you. Lord, I surrender to you. We come and we submit ourselves completely, totally, and wholly to him. And as we do, we will follow his commands and his plans for our life. Now, if you are here today, if you are watching online and You've never surrendered your life to Christ. I want you to know it is super, super cool to us 
that you would dial in, that you would come and be a part, that you'd be listening to the preaching of the word because our greatest hope and prayer would be that you would find a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would know that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he has a plan for you. He wants to wash your sin away. He wants that brokenness, that pain, that heartache, that loneliness, that guilt, that shame, everything that you're battling with and struggling with, he wants it to be buried. He wants that to be gone. He wants you to be freed from that, delivered from that. He wants you to come up and be a new person. He wants you to walk in wholeness, in purity, in righteousness, in freedom. He wants that story to be your story. And then as you make that decision, you too can now take that opportunity to go public and make that statement publicly about that personal decision. So for those of you who say, well, hey, I have accepted Jesus Christ, but if I'm speaking truth, I have not been baptized yet. Right now, I'm starting to feel like maybe the Holy Spirit's working on me. Let me encourage you today, all right? I want to give you some great reasons why, as a follower of Jesus, you should be baptized. Number one would be this. First reason you should be baptized is to make a statement to yourself. Baptism is a statement, and I think uh, one of the first statements that's made, it is a statement to yourself. Listen, when you raise your hand and say, I want to follow Jesus, when you say, I'm going to pray this prayer, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ, I think it's probably true for 100% of us is that our story was the devil tried to come and snatch that seed away. Anybody have that as your story, that when you gave your life to Christ, the enemy tried to sow seeds of doubt? He wanted you to doubt your decision. He wanted you to think that it was an emotional response. He wanted you to start thinking, ah, that wasn't that big of a deal. One of the cool things about water baptism is that it moves beyond just saying, I want to pray this prayer. I want to commit my life to Christ. But it's a demonstration. I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm making a statement to me. That wasn't an emotional decision. That wasn't just this empty prayer. That was a lifelong commitment that said, God, I no longer live for me. I'm living for you. So then when I see it in scripture, it says, not only do I repent of my sin, but now I'm baptized to make that public statement. What I'm saying is I've decided to follow Jesus and I'm going to follow the word of God. I'm going all in and there's no turning back. That's one of the reasons why you should be baptized. Make a statement to yourself. Then there's a second reason you should be baptized. And that is for you to make a statement to the world. Casey and I just celebrated our 23rd anniversary, our wedding anniversary, just yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it just really is the longer you, you serve the Lord together, the richer and sweeter the relationship becomes. And how many of you would think it, it probably would be a little weird if when we got married 23 years ago, I said, now listen, I want you to know I love you, but I need us to keep this between us. This is our secret. I'm committed to you. I love you. I want to be your husband. I just don't want anybody else to know this is our secret. It, well, for one, she'd probably knock me upside my head, right? She'd probably, have a, she'd probably have a response to that. 
But I think everybody else would say, that's strange. That's weird. That's unusual. That doesn't make sense. But did you know that's exactly what some people do with their relationship with Jesus? Raise my hand. Get it back down. I, I think I pulled that off without anybody seeing. I think I put nobody noticed. And they're like, okay, now if you raise your hand, I want you to, to take your phone and text and let us know. We want to celebrate with you. And you're like, no, man, that's too risky. Somebody would see that. Somebody would know I'm texting in that I just got saved. Ah, oh, man, I, oh, I, mean, I love you. I, lo I really do. I don't want to go to hell. I really don't. I'm really thankful for the cross. All of that was really, hey, I love you. Just got to keep this on the DL. You know what? I'm, I just got to keep that. It's important. I just got to keep it. How many of you admit that doesn't make a lick of sense? I've decided to follow Jesus. It's just a secret. And for some of us, we've yet to make a statement to the world. We haven't been water baptized. We're not taking advantage of this opportunity to make a public declaration about a personal decision. For some of us, this making a statement to the world is really important because uh, maybe you were, as a child, you were, you were sprinkled as a part of a uh, dedication ceremony. And so they'd say, the reason I'm not getting baptized now is because I was sprinkled as a young, young baby. That was a part of my church tradition, so I already did that there. And so I don't need to do it now. Or, or others would even say, well, when I was really little, I, I, I got baptized. And, and, and they didn't understand that at that time. They don't even remember it, really. Their parents told them about it, or, or they were sprinkled. And so what you need to know is your parents made a statement but you haven't made a statement. Like water baptism is a public declaration. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm associating with him. I'm identifying with him. And I want the whole world to know I'm not living for me anymore. I belong to my king. You can make a statement. But when you're sprinkled as a, as a young, young baby, whenever you're getting baptized, you don't even know what you're doing. You weren't even saved yet. Water baptism does not save you. It is an indication that you have made a decision to submit your life to the Lord. You've been saved, and now you go public to tell the world about it. The old me is gone. The new me has come. I've decided to follow Jesus. I had a missionary uh, tell a story one time, and I remember how it impacted me when he explained that across the globe, there are people who, when they get baptized, the amount of cost associated with that, that when they get baptized, they've made a statement in that moment that they're breaking free from their family tradition or from their former religion, and that for many of them, not only would they be excommunicated from their family, disassociated. You don't belong to us anymore because you've changed. You've, you're following this Jesus. You've given your life to worship this Jesus, this, this God that's different than all of our gods. There's excommunication. But in some places in our world, being baptized, going public with their faith would mean that their lives are in jeopardy. They could literally be killed for their faith. And we in the American culture can hide behind the ease and the comfort of, 
I just want it, but I don't want anybody to know. I, this is a secret. Okay, Lord, I love you. I don't want to go to hell. But I would say, is that even what we understand from Scripture? Like, are you willing to go public and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Lord, I'm going public with my faith because you went public when you demonstrated your love for me. And now I'm going public as I demonstrate my love for you. Some of those countries, they won't even give you the privilege of the title of being called a Christian until you've been water baptized. Because they're saying, if you're not willing to so associate with him to where it would be potentially costing you your life, you haven't decided to follow Jesus. Makes me say, God, help me to be more committed to saying nothing's going to hold me back from taking steps to follow you in obedience. And that's really the third reason to be baptized is because your next step is always your most important one. If you've never given your life to Jesus, that's your first step. Experience his love. Experience his grace. Experience his forgiveness. Experience the hope that comes in and takes over, kicks out the despair. And now you have purpose. You have reason to get up in the morning. You have hope for forever. That's your first step. But once you've done that, you're not finished. Your next step is to be baptized in water. Don't allow the enemy to keep you from moving forward and all that God has for you. Don't allow the enemy to hold you back from taking your next step. Keep on moving. As a matter of fact, if you've been saved, you took your step to be baptized. Cool. What's your next step? All of us have a next step. And you're like, well, well I don't know what mine is. Well, that's why we put together growth track. That's your next step. Like, I don't even know what growth track is. It's to help you to discover what your next steps are. It helps you to get in there and learn more about the church, learn more about how God has uniquely wired you and created you so you can know, how do I serve God? How do I live for God? If you haven't been to Growth Track, that's your next step. You're like, well, I've been through Growth Track. What's my next step? Serve on a dream team. I don't know where I'd serve. I don't know what to do. Go back to that growth track information that you were given and go, now where can I jump in and serve God? All of us can take a next step. Can you say amen to that today? To keep stepping, don't stop. Fourth reason you should be baptized, and this one's a big one, is because Jesus said you should. See, if none of the other ones impacted you, if those first three were like, yeah, maybe, Ah, kinda. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide on this one right here. Why should I be baptized? Because Jesus said that you should. We need to do it because it's the plan of God. Jesus modeled it. How can I look at him and say, well, Jesus did that, even though John the Baptist was like, whoa, man, I shouldn't be baptizing you. Jesus said, no, this should be done. Because he knew he was modeling for us steps of obedience. We saw the Holy Spirit come and rest on him. And the father said, this is my son. I'm pleased with him. That's the life that we all want to live. And Jesus modeled it. We see the, the importance of it highlighted in Matthew chapter 28. And what's called the Great Commission. Before leaving earth, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Like, go and tell everybody about what's happened to you and what you've experienced. And then what he says, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, how you've been changed by this life that I've given to you. Now go and tell the world about it. And when they receive it, then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see it in the book of Acts in the early church as the church was birthed, as it was launched and people were hearing the gospel and then they were asking, okay, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? We're hearing what you're saying and our hearts are stirred and they were asking, what should we do? Peter answers it in Acts chapter two, verse 38. Peter replied, here's what you do. You wanna follow God? You wanna be forgiven of your sin? Here's the answer. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's plans and his commands are not optional. If we want to be blessed, if we want to be favored, if we want to walk in obedience, we say, Lord, what's my next step? And then you take it. Here's the fifth and the final piece. This should encourage you to be baptized if you haven't been. God's blessing always follows obedience. God's blessing will always follow obedience. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, finishing up there that story about Jesus and his baptisms. It says, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Jesus said, all I do is what the Father tells me to do. Now, is this story you see that multiple times in scripture specifically John chapter 8 and so he's saying I'm just walking in obedience to what the father's called me to do and as he's being baptized you see the spirit the Holy Spirit coming and resting on him and you hear the voice of the father saying I am pleased with my son when you get baptized you can know you're pleasing father God you can know that as you're doing that it, the heavens open up when you walk in obedience. The blessings come down when you walk in obedience. The anointing of God on your life to be a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a student at school, an anointed uh, uh, witness at your work. The anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on you when you walk in obedience. God wants to bless you. Are you walking in obedience? Today, as I get ready to pray, I would just ask you, are there things that you need to repent of, let go of, stop doing? Are there things that God is speaking to you, you need to take hold of or start doing? Specific question, have you been baptized as a follower of Jesus? Have you been baptized? If not, at every single one of our campuses, we're about to have spontaneous opportunity for baptisms in just a few minutes. Some of you, you saw it happen. You're hearing this message. You're like, well, I probably should. So next time they do that, I'll be baptized. Guess what? Next time we're about to do that is the next service. Congratulations. Isn't that awesome? You say, well, I didn't bring a change of clothes. Got you covered. We got a shirt. We got shorts. We have a towel for you. We even have a, a shower cap. Take care of your hair for you. We've got you covered on all fronts. 
Today is your day to take your next step. So at all of our campuses, the campus host will give you next steps on how to do it. But at the beginning of our next service, you'll have a chance to be baptized. I hope that you will. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you specifically. I want to pray for those who have yet to say yes to Jesus. Because your first step is the most important one. With heads bowed, eyes closed, at all of our campuses, if you know that you're away from God, I want you to know that right here, right now, today, you can say yes to Jesus. He can change you from the inside out. And I want to pray for you. If you say, Scotty, that's me. I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ. I want to ask him to be my Lord and Savior. Pray for me. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand at all of our campuses. And I'll lead you in a prayer as you commit your life to Christ. One two, three. Come on, would you raise it up all over? Awesome, awesome. Hands going up in every single section. People saying yes to Jesus at all of our campuses. I want you to pray this prayer and mean it with your heart. Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Today, I surrender my life to you. I want to follow you. Today, I have decided to follow Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.